That's on my knees. We were with the body was praying. And the Lord took me out in a vision. And I saw the Spirit of God start going out from this church. And start convicting, healing, and delivering people for five miles in every direction around this church. And I was standing right here, and that those front doors was open, and a car came this way. They got right in front of the church, and the window was down on the passenger side. The man pointed out the window. He said, I'm going to tell you that God in that church is real. And the Lord told me if people would pray, this would come to pass. And when it comes to prayer, I guess I'm different. But I'm going to tell you something. When I come to the Lord, the Spirit of God taught me to pray. Man didn't teach me to pray. The Spirit of God taught me to pray. And I get in prayer and a battle to the Spirit of the Lord comes on me and then I let God begin to pray through me. There's times when I first come to the Lord, I pray two, three, and four hours. I've actually prayed of an evening and still be praying when the sun comes up. Because that spirit would get on me. So, you may not be conditioned to this kind of prayer. You may not have been around it. I know Sister Kathy had never been around it when she first came in. But Donald, I don't know if y'all have ever been around it or not. But I'm going to ask you to trust me and help me lead you into this kind of prayer because this prayer and you know I'm not trying to be ugly but you women that have had babies y'all know that there's a a travail and y'all go through transition and y'all go through things to birth a baby and they, they call it travail well this that God's taking us into is a spiritual travail to birth the Christ in us you won't go through that any other time in your pregnancy. But when it comes time to deliver, there's got to be something there to deliver. And it takes that travail to position your body and condition your body for things to change in your body for that baby to be born. Same thing spiritually. Things got to change in us. For that Christ to be formed in us and birthed in us. See, I'm not looking for Jesus just to be in my heart. I'm looking for that resurrected Christ to be made manifest in my mortal flesh. That His mind, His nature, those attributes I preached about last week. And any way you cut that message last week, that was just simple, breakdown, easy to be understood about how all those attributes, those nine attributes listed there in Galatians 5 and 22 and 23, I believe it is, they make up the fruit of the Spirit. It's not fruits. It's fruit. And it takes all nine of those to form the Christ in you. And God's willing to take us somewhere. But... You know, somewhere you got to stop and you got to examine yourself. 
And you got to ask God, let me grow. Let me grow. Let me come forth. You've called me. And I'm going to tell you something. God's put you under this Word. You're called for a purpose. People come to the church in poor pain and they'll leave the church and get mad, get upset about something. They tell me, Brother Matter, we ain't never heard preaching like this. I said, well, let them mean it's wrong. It means God trying to grow you up and take you somewhere. And I've told people, if this word ain't feeding you and you just want good church, go somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Am I too loud? Okay. I said, go somewhere else. You don't agree with what I'm preaching? Please. You don't want to learn. You don't want to grow. Go somewhere else. Find somebody to feed you. Because I don't want to fight your spirit. I do not want to fight your spirit. And you're better off if you don't want to grow and you don't understand what I'm preaching. You're better off to go on and leave this word alone. But there's a body of believers that God is bringing forth to reveal the Christ in them, to take hold of their very life. That's the reason Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, then you're really going to find life. He said, if you find life out here, you'll lose your spiritual life. He's just going to lose it. And there have been enough people left this church to fill it up probably at least one time over because they just want religion. I'm not interested in religion. I was raised in religion. Religion will cause you to shipwreck. And when you get in a storm and you really need God to be real to you, He's not there in religion. He's there in relationship. That's why I'm trying to lead people into a relationship in prayer. Please, gather with me in prayer. And let's fight together. Because whether y'all realize it or not, the kingdom of heaven right now is suffering violence. Yes. And it's going to take the violent. It's going to take it by force. And you've got to take it by force in prayer. You've got to take this by force in prayer. Those are Jesus' words. He said, You have the law of the prophets up to the time John came. But from the time John came going forward, the kingdom of heaven was revealed. And then when God poured out the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, He set the kingdom, He set a measure of the kingdom in place. In Mark 9, the first chapter, He took Peter, James, and John. He said, there's some of y'all standing right here. He said, that He was talking about the disciples. He said, some of y'all standing right here. He said, you're not going to taste the death till you see the kingdom of heaven come in power. The day of Pentecost, it happened. It happened. There was a measure of the resurrected Christ. It wasn't the Holy Ghost that Jesus ministered under. It wasn't the Holy Ghost that filled John the Baptist from his mother's womb. It wasn't the Holy Ghost that come on Elizabeth. It wasn't the Holy Ghost that come on Zachariah and prophesied. You go back, it talks about people being filled with the Holy Ghost. 
John was filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Zachariah was filled with the... That wasn't a... That wasn't the spirit we got. That wasn't what was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We 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 got that because the Holy Ghost that's being given now is the resurrected Christ mixed with the humanity of the man. You study this word long enough, and you ask God, He'll reveal it to you. Brother Donald, and then start coming to Fort Payne in 07. And I started revealing this kingdom. What was it, Sister Kathy? About 2011, 2012. I started really opening up on this kingdom. Now, and even the man now, Brother Michael Harrison, his wife, Sister Patty Harrison, the pastor in our church, he told me later, he said, Brother Matter, <coughs> he said, You first started preaching this kingdom? He said, I didn't agree with you. I said, No kidding. <laughs> Little dog told me, he said, man, there's things he preached. It just blew my mind. <laughs> he said, I didn't understand it. He said, I just had to put it on the shelf and leave it alone. You know why people don't understand this kingdom? They try to make it fit what they've been taught. This don't fit what you've been taught. <coughs> this can't fit what you've been taught. If I stand in my box, trying to, we've had to do some adapting on the camera Something happened to our computer, it went down. Brand new computer, probably ain't had it a year. She was working with it last night, getting some new stuff put in it so we'd have better video and reboot it. It just wouldn't start back up. So, y'all know one thing, the devil's going to fight this word. Yes. Right. <coughs> going to fight this word. Yeah, that got me too. Sorry about that. But I want y'all to know God is confirming His Word. Some of you have never been around this Word and the miracles and the deliverance. When I was back in evangelism and there's been great deliverance since I've been pastoring, but God confirms His Word repeatedly. And in 2009, we made a trip up to Maryland. Me and my wife preached up there and I was ministering in a little church in Washington, D.C., and it was on a hill overlooking Washington, and I could see the government buildings. And the Lord took me out in a vision. And I saw floodwaters running in the streets of Washington, up to people's knees and up to their calves and up to their thighs. <coughs> Last Monday, July the 9th, Washington got six inches of rain in one hour, and it kept raining. And those floods hit, and the Lord spoke to me and said, that's what I showed you in 09. And while I was watching that, the scene of the vision changed, and I saw a huge bright light come up right in the middle of the government buildings and shine up into the heavens. And I didn't know what it meant for a long time, and then the Lord started dealing with me. He said, new authority and power is fixing to shine out of the seat of government. Hallelujah. And it started happening naturally, but now it's now spiritually. The earthquakes in Los Angeles. I'll just say, hang on, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because the Lord spoke that word you reposted 
on Facebook back from April the 25th. Go back and listen to it. God said the earthquakes will hit 9, 10, 11, 12 points. And I have a man out in Arkansas. I am me when those earthquakes started hitting Los Angeles. He said, Brother Better, you prophesied earthquakes in California as a sign of this last day move. I said, I did. I said, they fixed to get worse. I said, I'm looking for something to hit California if I could hit San Francisco in 1906 when God poured the Holy Ghost out on the Street. You know, they said today, if an earthquake hit like that, because it destroyed San Francisco. It totally destroyed San Francisco. <laughs> they said if an earthquake like that hit that, we would have 50 to 100,000 to die. But America's going to see some tragedies. The Lord's already spoken. They don't. God's hand's been on America and they never had 20, 30, 40, 100,000 people die in an earthquake like they have overseas. You better share this fixing to happen. Because it's shaking. God spoke of the shaking in that prophecy. There's a shaking going on right now. There's a shaking. You know, I've been I've been asking y'all the last two or three weeks, what's your vision? What's your vision? What's the vision of the church you're attending? Most people don't even know the church has a vision. They don't even, they don't even know they just go for good church. This church this church has a vision. This church has a vision. And that's to take you in the fullness of Christ being revealed in you. That's the vision of this church. Is to lead you in the fullness of God. And the Lord woke me up about 3.30 this morning and started speaking to me about restoration. And I'm going to break this word down best I can. But you got to choose whether you're going to live by this word or not. you got to choose whether you're going to get behind it. When I say get behind it, I mean physically, mentally, spiritually, and financially, you get behind this word. <coughs> yeah, excuse me. Somewhere, somebody will reap this kingdom, and they'll reap everything that goes with it. Amen. <coughs> somebody asked me one time, said, Brother Mary, if there's one gift of the Spirit that you want and you desire to have, what is it? I said, Faith. They said, why is it that you just want faith? I said, if I got faith, I can get everything else. <laughs> just give me faith. I'll, I'll have what it takes to get everything else. I believe God for everything else, bro. Just give me faith. So, but we got to labor together. we got to pull together. You know, we got a, uh, and I'll get y'all the, I guess we broadcast into Kenya. It's going to come up on YouTube. You think that's how we're going to do it? So Saturday the 27th at 10 o'clock in the morning, we're going to do our first video YouTube broadcast into Kenya. So y'all can join in on YouTube if you want to join in. I don't think we're going to be able to see anything on there yet because I just, I just don't think it'll work too late. But anyway... They contacted me last week and they're going to try to pull seven or eight churches together for this broadcast. And, they, and then they started asking me, when are you coming to Kenya? Because I think they've been listening to the YouTube broadcast. And one young man contacted me and printed me on Facebook. I think he's 22, 23 years old, already pastoring a church. And he want to know how long I've been preaching. 
I said, 47 years. He says, oh my. He said, it's going to be a joy to hear your teachings if you're teaching me about the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hungry. 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 For God to be real. And there'll be a day I'm going to begin you. There'll be a day we're going to stand in this church as the Lord said we would. The Lord said we're going to have noble miracles on a live broadcast on the internet. I'm looking forward to that. Because see, God ain't limited. God ain't limited. See, we limit God's hand. Instead of saying can God, we need to say God can. Amen. And I'm going to read you some scripture. And I'm going to try to deal with these two scriptures. Of course, y'all don't have that because ain't going to tell them where I'll go. But I'm going to Joel, the second chapter, in the 21st verse. Yeah, you can go ahead and give the notes out. I'm sorry, my mind doesn't change tracks. It'll be 30 miles down the road. But I feel like it's going to be a good, solid word. And I don't, I don't preach something to excite your flesh. I preach something to help you grow, get you grounded, get you rooted, get you moving forward. But you have something to fight with. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You got one? You got one? Okay. Do we have enough copies? Okay. Troll me as I get to exhort on this word in one scripture, lead to another scripture, and lead to another. Next thing you know, I'm. Off the mark where I started from. But it's all the word and it's all good and it all ties together. <laughs> and I remember in July of 2015, the Lord had spoken to me out of this book of Joel right here, the second chapter. Many times I've taken this 23rd verse where it talks about giving us the former rain, the rain, and the latter rain. I'll cause them to come down in the first month. Well, April is the first month of the Jewish calendar. Well, way back in 97, when I still evangelized, the Lord spoke to me. He said, you try to get ministers together once a year, get them to come together, fellowship one another, learn from one another, talk about their experiences, their problems, what they've been through, what God's taught them, and you do it in April because that's the first month. That's the beginning of the year. Boy, was that ever an impossible task. Because I didn't have a church at that time. I talked to somebody else about doing their church. I said, yeah, that's fine. I said, now look. I said, preacher's going to come. I'm going to come stay three or four days at least. I'd like for meeting them in seven to ten days. But I'd like for them to come stay three or four days. They're just going to come preach their service. And y'all just going to eat and sing and talk. I said, I'm not interested. Well, it went pretty good the first year or two. 
I'll accept some of the ministers coming in. They preached their night and they took off. And I told the host pastor, I said, don't invite them back. I said, it's not what God wants. It's not what God's doing. God wants ministers coming together. There's got to be a unity among ministers somewhere. Amen. If we all got the same spirit and are all by one spirit baptized into one body, then we need to have the same mind, the same judgment, speak the same thing. There's got to be unity. There's not unity in the body of Christ right now. There's chaos. Confusion, division, backbiting. Man, it's bad to say, but ministers are just bad against one another. They just bow against one another. And everybody pulling their own direction. They ain't mind the God. And y'all, y'all hear what I'm telling you. If God can't get the people he's got right now together, he'll raise up a new people. God's going to have a people that's going to be called by the name of Jesus and going to come together like the first church come together. There ain't none of us going to get this. It's like God told me in 97. He said, I don't have to have you to do my will. He said, I've chosen you, I've ordained you. He said, but if you think i got to have you, he said, I can move you out of the way and raise up a hundred and put you in place. So, boy, that's a, that's a sobering thought. God speak to you, hey, I don't have to have you. Can I get a fellow accomplished? you feel that. But I thought for years that the Lord was going to do something in April. Because of, and then in July 2015, I sat in the office at the church in Fort Payton on Wednesday night. I was going to minister there. And I was going on down to Jasper. I found a minister there. And the Lord spoke to me this scripture, Joel 2.23. And he said, the first month is not the first month of every. He said, it's a type of a new beginning. He said, and I'm bringing forth a new beginning. Because he spoke to me back in November of 2015. Uh, 15, well it was 2015 November, he spoke to me no 17 he took me on he spoke to me and he said I'm going to move move in my spirit and he said new light's fixing to rise yes. same thing I saw in 2009 coming up out of the government seat in Washington it's, it's coming up out of the spiritual seat now, God's going to have leadership y'all hear me God, God, God's got government he said in Isaiah, he said to their government, the government should be upon the shoulders and to his government there should be no end. And people that can't be still and grow and sit under government and, and be led, you'll never lead. If you can't be led, you'll never lead. And there are a lot of people out here running around saying, well, God told me this, God told me that. They won't sit under no leadership. They won't sit under any kind of government. They won't learn. They won't take instruction. God ain't going to use people like that. God set things in order in His Word. He said, I got captains over thousands, captains over hundreds, captains over fifties, captains over tens, and I'm even got captains over fives. God broke it all the way down. He's got order. He's got government. Amen. He's got government. And if you can't come under subjection to government and be tall, then you can't teach people. Does that make sense to y'all? But Brian, wasn't you in the army? I guarantee you, when you were in that army, you went as a private. But you didn't walk up to a general and tell him how to run that army. Because he probably had 30, 40 years of experience. He knew what he was doing. And you fresh into boot camp, 
But see, that's the way it is spiritually now. Everybody wants to lead, but nobody wants to follow. I spent years of my life being subject to ministries and ministers and pastors. And I'm still subject to people that are led by the Spirit of God. But I can't find very many. It's hard to find. It's a shame that it's hard to find. But anyway, the Lord told me, He said, that is symbolic. That first month is symbolic of a new beginning. And He said, I have given the wisdom and understanding to bring forth that which is perfect. And He took me to 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul said, we know in part we prophesy in part, we understand in part, but when that which is perfect or mature or complete, you've got to understand the word perfect means mature and complete in Christ. He said, well, when that which is perfect has come, that which is in part will be done away with. And so ever since 2015, God's been giving us understanding to come into maturity and completeness in Christ. If we want it. I say if we want it. If we want to be led. Because Jesus became like us. That we can become like Him. Amen. In 2006, when He spoke to me about, about the power of His resurrection, He asked me, He said, Do you want to be as I was or do you want to be as I am? I said, That's a no-brainer. <laughs> he said, Do you want to be as I was when I walked this earth? He said, Do you want to be as I am right now? I said, I'll take you as you are right now. The big difference between the way Jesus was when he walked this earth and what he is right now. And I was trying to tell him, preaching this revelation. He said, Brother Matter, I don't see no difference in Jesus the way he was when he walked this earth and the way he is right now. I said, Man, I ain't telling another word to you. I said, You're beyond my expertise. I said, I can't help you. And I was serious. I said, I can't help you. You can't see Jesus was a man when he walked this earth. Fought the sin nature, had to be tried as we were tried, had to face the same things we face to be our example. And then after his resurrection, he took on all power of heaven and earth. The sin nature left him. He can't be tempted now. He cannot be tempted. You read First First John. I mean Third John. No, First John, the the third chapter, the eighth and ninth verse. It says, "He that sinned is of the devil." For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. For whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin and cannot sin because the seed remained in We and you have not reached the place that we cannot sin. We reach the place we don't practice sin and we don't we strive not to sin, but we have not reached the place that we cannot sin. You reach the place you cannot see and come talk to me. Because I spent 47 years trying to figure it out. Me and you just need to have a long talk if you come to that place you cannot see. Like someone, well, I don't practice sin. I have a preacher tell me, I don't practice sin. I said, you're leaving out the next part. <laughs> next part says that you cannot sin because the seed remaineth in you. There's a difference in not practicing sin. I don't think anybody that's come to a, a salvation experience practices sin. But we ain't reached the place we cannot sin. You still got flesh. You still walk in the carnal mind. You're still tempted. 
But when that visitation that I'm preaching, God takes you where I'm trying to lead you to. You cannot see it. You cannot see it. Why? Because that seed of the Christ remains in here. Somebody's going to go with this. Somebody's going to take hold of this. There's a lot of people going to go just into religion. They're just going to go on having good church. They're going to go on prophesying, shouting, praising, having good church. Because they don't want to go anywhere. Me, I've spent my whole life searching and believing that I could become like the Christ. And I still believe it. I believe it. If the Lord don't let me see it, I still believe it. But I believe I'm going to see it. Because the Lord told me in 89, He said, You're predestined for one day to become a son of God, a manifested son of God. There's a difference between being like Jesus when He walked this earth. That's what I call the ministry of the Son of Man. But when you take on that manifested sons of God like He is now that He's resurrected, there is no sin nature. If I thought I could do it, I'd do a happy dance. <laughs> there is no sin nature. You ain't even tempted. Why? You become like Him. The fullness of God's been revealed in you. That's what He said. He said, all power in heaven and earth now dwell in me. I'm going to show y'all a revelation God gave me just a few days ago if I can get to it. Boy, it made me sit up and take notice. I was telling Lisa, I said, man, that made me sit up and take notice. You know, the Lord don't repeat Himself all at once. He got to repeat Himself to you as you can receive it. man told me one time, I said, Brother Better, I know the Spirit of God. God don't change. I said, God don't, just because it says God don't change, don't mean you know everything you, there is to know about God. I said, the Bible says His understanding and His riches are past finding out. Well, uh, 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 I said, yeah, uh, 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 uh. I said, you know what you know about God. I said, there's things that's been hit from your eyes that you don't know about God and when God starts revealing them, it don't mean God's changed. It just means God's doing something that He ain't never revealed to you. So you've got to be willing to change with the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Amen? We've got to be able to move forward. That's the reason God told us in Isaiah 43. He said, Behold, I do a new thing. He said, Don't consider the old things. Don't go back and look at them. Don't consider them. He said, They come to pass. Don't worry about them. The Lord even spoke in a prophecy. I think it was right here. He said, Don't even look back at the the moves that I've already done. Don't look back at them old moves. He said, because they're not what I'm doing. Zuzu Street was great. I was raised in the meetings of Allen and Robertson and listened to Cole and Bradham when I was a boy on the radio. They had great miracles, great deliverance. They drew crowds of 15 and 20,000. But that's not what God's doing now. God said, that move is a drop in the bucket for what I want to do now. You tell people God's doing, oh yeah, brother, better God's doing a new thing. But when you start preaching something, oh, that's wrong. It's like my wife says, they want God to do a new thing in a good old fashioned way. 
that want God to do a new thing like they're used to God moving. When God says I do a new thing, He says I do a new thing. Amen. Amen. So let's let's start in these scriptures in Joel 2. And I'm just going to start with verse 23. Be glad then, ye children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for He hath given you the former rain moderately. Now I want you all to see that phrase right there. Hath given is past tense. Anybody understand English grammar? Am I correct in saying hath given is past tense? So he's saying He hath given you the former rain in moderation. Fair enough. Measure. Are we in agreement? Yes, no, don't know. Thank you. (laughs) So, He hath given you the former rain moderately. So, in other words, what Joel is speaking is the former rain, which was was the day of Pentecost, has already happened here. Oh boy, y'all are scratching y'all's heads today. Just listen to me. For he hath given you the former rain moderately, or the day of Pentecost has already happened here. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, which is the dispensation we're in right now. We have been since the dispensation of the former rain passed. We don't live in that dispensation. We've never had that out for it. We're under the rains. So we've been under the heat under Bible. We've been under Azusa Street. We've been under the rains. But he said, I'll cause the rain, the former and the latter rain. And he will cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain, and the latter rain in the first month or in this new beginning. God's going to let us experience the former rain, which is the day of Pentecost visitation. And then going to take us into the latter rain. People can't tell you what the latter rain is because there's no precedent for it. I can tell you it's the fullness of Christ being revealed in us. In that place where you get, there is no sin nature. Are y'all following with me? Yes. Okay. So, I keep trying to tell people this has already happened. This is the day of Pentecost that Joel said has already happened. So when you get over to verse 28, it says, And it shall come to pass that I will pour out my Spirit upon my whole flesh. And it goes on like that. Everybody's preached this. This is the day of Pentecost. No, this ain't the day of Pentecost. This is the fullness of the latter rain being given. Go back and check these signs right here. And I didn't intend to go this direction. It's what the Spirit's telling me. Go back and check these signs and compare them to what happened at the day of Pentecost. None of these signs listed here happened on the day of Pentecost. None of them. None of them. Can I take you further? Y'all with me? Yes. So, Joel 228 is talking about the latter rain. It ain't talking about the former rain. Because he doesn't say in verse 23, the former end has been given moderately. Okay? So, and then he goes on and says, Upon the servants, upon the headmates in those days, I will pour out of my spirit. If you follow the teaching, I've told y'all 
that there's a difference between the spirit of prophecy and the gift of prophecy. There's a lot of people who got a gift of prophecy, but not very many people got a spirit of prophecy. Because the spirit of prophecy it was what was on Moses, it was what was on Elijah, it was what, what was on those holy men of God that had prophesied all down through the generations and dispensations, and this is what's going to come on our sons and daughters. See, every time the Holy Ghost and people called it is poured out and somebody talks in tongues a little bit, they say, Woo, I'm going to pour it out on your sons and your daughters. That ain't what God's talking about. He said, I'm going to put on your sons and daughters the spirit of Moses. I'm going to put on your sons and daughters the spirit of Elijah. I'm going to put on your sons and daughters the spirit of prophecy, and they're going to prophesy signs in the heavens above. They're going to prophesy wonders in the earth beneath. They're going to prophesy blood, vapor, pillow, smoke. They're going to prophesy by the spirit of prophecy, not the gift of prophecy. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, I felt the power surge through my soul. People aren't taught the scriptures and they don't know what God is preparing to do. He's preparing to visit us with a spirit of prophecy. Because the spirit of prophecy is what Jesus has. Read your Bible in Revelation 19. And it will tell you the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. I believe it's the 10th verse, Revelation 19.10. I believe it's in the the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Right up here on this hill where we used to have our trailer, I believe it was March, sometime in March, I think it was 2017, she was at her house in Conyers. I was up there about 3.30 in the morning. I sat asleep. Voice of the Lord stepped in that trailer. Boomed out through that trailer and woke me up said, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. But you better believe I come away and sit straight up that bed. I mean, the voice of the Lord stepped in that trailer and he, he boomed like thunder. And something shook my soul and shook me awake. And I sat up and I got up, went down into the living room and turned the computer on and went into my Bible program. And the Lord started showing me the spirit that was in Moses, the spirit that was in Elijah, the spirit of prophecy, the word, the authority, the dominion, how they spoke and I moved for them. He said, that's what I'm bringing forth in this time. This is what they come forth in you sons and you daughters. Holy revelation. Everybody's preached. Well, I'll pour out my spirit. And I think it's just the little tongues. Uh-uh. He said, the spirit of Moses, the spirit of Elijah. He said, what y'all don't realize is your sons and your daughters are my two witnesses. Doesn't matter that you say that out loud, the idea. Because them two witnesses, you're going to find out it ain't two men. It's two companies. It's two anointings. It's two anointings. There may be two leaders, but it's two anointings. Read Revelation 11 and see what those anointings done. Said they'd shut up heavens that there'd be no rain in the days of the prophecy. Is that what it says? Who, who had the power to do that? Elijah. 
that was smite the earth with plagues and soft them as they will. Who had the power to do that? Moses. I think it says they'll turn the let me get over there. I don't like to misquote anything. I don't know why I'm going this direction. I sure didn't have it planned. But I guess God knows. See what I'm trying to get you to understand? This is what God has for us. But we've got to seek for it. We've got ourselves so carnally minded and so caught up in the things of this life and this world. We ain't seeking for restoration. It's just like row, row, row your boat. We're padding down the river with religion. I'm oh, serious. Come on. It's true. Sister Kathy, I don't mean picking on you, but when Sister Kathy first came out of my preaching, she never heard that like this. The first time I heard lady was with her come to church, I laid hands on Sister Kathy, I think it was on New Year's Eve. Spirit of God laid her out in the center aisle of the church. She laid there 45 minutes, just caught up the Spirit, talking in tongues, magnifying God. I mean, Spirit of God. And after that, she started mentioning our church. Driving my wife from the Astral Mountain at Fort Payne. She started mentioning our church just about every weekend, sometimes twice on the weekend. And she said, I got to read that man with them strange tongues. <laughs> said, I never heard tongues like that man's got. One thing about it, it wasn't ordinary. They didn't fit the religious flow, and they still don't, and they never will. But in Revelation 11, he said, Now, verse 3, and I will give power unto my two witnesses. They shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. If you go back to Zechariah 4, it tells you these are the two anointings. These are the two anointed ones. These are the two anointing ones in Zechariah 4. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devours it. Who had the power to do that? Elijah. Elijah. And then soldiers come out there to get him. He said, As the Lord liveth, as my soul liveth, if I be a man of God, let fire come down. Burn them up. Burn up 50. Second 50 come out there. Burn them up. So I tell people, don't go, don't go running around calling people men and women of God unless they've got the works to prove it. Don't call me a man of God unless God puts it in your spirit you call me a servant of the Lord. I don't call nobody a man of God or a woman of God unless God speaks to me or I've seen miraculous works. I'm not going to do it. People got in the habit of calling people men and women of God. No, not me. You go ahead and do what you want to, not me. Because when Elijah raised that widow woman's son to life that he was sojourning with there in Zarephath, she said, By this, I know that thou art a man of God. Because you have raised my son from the dead. By this, I know that you are a man of God. Just that when you call me, Brother Donald was laying there and that day got thrown off that four with her blood coming out of his ears. Couldn't get him awake. He stayed unconscious, what, five, ten minutes? She called me and got on the phone and she was screaming. I finally got her calmed down enough. I said, What's wrong? And she started telling me to walk in her stead. And I told her, Lord, put her hands on him. And the Spirit of the Lord told me, I'm getting prayed. It was just a couple minutes he come to. 
You don't know what was wrong with him. You don't know what kind of damage was done. Huh? He could have been dead. He could have been busted up all inside. He could have had brain damage. But the Word of the Lord put him back together. Stood him on his feet. Because God's got a purpose for him. He won't let the devil have him. He won't let him destroy him. See, I know what's in me. The Spirit of God moves on me. Just might as well take the limits off of God. You just might as well take the limits off of Him. See God do the miraculous. Can you tell you what year it was? But it's back in the eighties. I do a lot of preaching in people's homes back then, along with the tent meetings and church meetings. And a lady called me from coming Georgia. She had a son about seven or eight years old, and. They were shopping, and he ran out in front of a car, and the shopping center parking lot, and that car hit him. She called me screaming. She said, Brother Miller, I think he's dead. Right there on the phone. God spoke the word of life to him. That boy got up. I know in whom I believe. I know in whom I believe. And I know what lives in here to measure. And I'm after the fullness of it. I'm after the revealing. Of the Christ. Amen. If any man proceedeth, or if any man, verse 5, Revelation 11, if any man will hurt them, fire proceedeth out of their mouth. Devour their enemies. If any man will hurt them, he must in this matter be killed. These have power to shut up heaven, that it rain not in the days of their promise, and have power with waters to turn them to blood. Who's able to turn the waters to blood? Moses, the spirit of prophecy, yes. not the gift of prophecy. Y'all will find out there's a big difference between the spirit of prophecy and the gift of prophecy. Big difference. To smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. Moses, Moses, did he not smite the Egyptians with plagues as God spoke to him? He did. Spirit of Moses, spirit of Elijah, spirit of prophecy. Who stood on Mount Transfiguration with Jesus? Moses and Elijah. Why? They all have the same spirit. They all have that same spirit of prophecy. Amen. It takes those three to bring forth the completeness of what God wants to do in these last days. Because God is going to send vessels that's going to speak the word like Moses, going to speak the word like Elijah. The world ain't ready for this, but it better get ready. Because it's coming. Y'all hear me? It's coming. I said it's coming. You let God get California, Los Angeles, San Francisco, one of them cities out there and kills 30, 40, 50,000. They're going to get folks' attention. People are already scared to death now to stay inside after what happened with those two earthquakes out there. I think one was six point something, one was seven point something. They scared up. They scared their people scared the way they sleeping in tents in their yard. I saw it on the news. People were absolutely sleeping in tents in their yard. Scared to go back in their homes. They got a, a joke they call California the shaking fake state. And I'm going to tell you something. God gets ready to shake it. And confirm this word. He's going to shake it because I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. 
And I told that brother out in the Midwest. I said, you might as well get ready. I said, this is science. This is science. And when God told us about those rains, there's a, uh, is, is that prophecy from July, Brother Michael said, posted on the website. Go back and listen to it. It's from July the 12th, 2017. God spoke about rains that was going to just set. Like monsoon. And these are going to be signs of the latter rain of the Holy Ghost. Six weeks later, Hurricane Harvey moved in about 61 inches of rain around Houston. That Hurricane Charlie, I think it was, up in North Carolina last year, dropped 40 something inches of rain. We just had a system set up in the Midwest for two weeks, flooded seven states out there Oklahoma, Iowa, all out through there. They was having to do rescues, millions and billions of dollars worth of damage. And I don't know what God's going to do in Louisiana down there. The system may be part of it, it may be not. But they're expecting 25 plus inches of rain in some places. God's going to get folks' attention one way or the other. Amen. You see, all of these are signs to get us focused on restoration. To get our hearts focused and pressing toward and seeking for a restoring of the faith. I'm not satisfied with religion. I want restoration. Amen. I want restoration. These have power, verse 6, to shut up rain days, to prophecy, to have power over the waters, to turn them into blood, and to smite the earth and plague as often as they will. Now, I can't tell you yet what it means when their dead bodies are going to lay in the street of Jerusalem, but Jerusalem is spiritual. It says it is. It said that spiritual city, Jerusalem. So I don't know what that means yet, but there will be a day God will be it to me and I'll tell you what it means. But all I know is God told me these ain't two men, these are two companies. These are two anointings. Then our sons and daughters going to be. Our sons and daughters just ain't going to have the Spirit come on them. They're going to prophesy a little bit by a gift of prophecy. They're going to prophesy by the Spirit of prophecy. They're going to shake the heavens. They're going to shake the earth. They're going to shake the sea and the dry land. Am I making sense to anybody? Yeah. Well, matter, I don't know if I believe that or not. You're not believing it, they ain't going to stop it. <laughs> they ain't going to slow it down. The Bible says, let man be a liar and God be truth. Amen. Amen. Let me see if I can get back over here to Joel 2. Let me see if I can slow down a little bit. Might be able to get to what I've got written down Y'all go with me. Because I do like to teach. But sometimes I get so caught up what God's doing now. I've never preached by notes and I'm not. But this is to try to help y'all grow. Amen. I'm trying to slow down and teach and help y'all grow. So, y'all bear with me and work with me and we'll get it done somewhere. But the Lord told me every week between now and the Fort Payne meeting was necessary for preparation. Something will happen that meeting. My son texts me about 5.30 of the morning. He said, Daddy, he said, Lord, been dealing with me about the August meeting in Fort Payne. He said, something will happen. He said, something is going to happen in that meeting. He said, the Lord said he was going to pour out his spirit and it was going to go beyond Pentecost. 
Now, I know God is going to pour out His Spirit like He did at the day of Pentecost because that was the foundation of the church. Now, if it looks like Acts 2 and 4, that's fine. But if it don't, that's still fine. I don't know what it's going to look like. I just know the same power, the same authority, the same government is going to be revealed. It may not look like Acts 2 and 4. But it's going to act like it. Whether it looks like it or not. Does that make sense to y'all? See, God formed the church on the day of Pentecost. But that 120 was the government. When He poured His Spirit out on the day of Pentecost, those 120 were not the lay members of the church. They were chosen for government. They were chosen for offices. They were chosen for gifts. They were chosen to teach. They were chosen to be helped. The lay body of the church was that 3,000 got saved later on that day. That was your lay members of the church. So God's not going to go out here and save 10,000 people in L.A.J. without government to guide them. The government, the ministry's first got to be put in order. That's what the Lord told us years ago. He said, I'm going to purify the sons of Levi. I'm going to purify the ministry and bring the ministry forth. And all these people won't work together in ministry. All these people jealous, backbiting, envy. Like Paul said, you're full of envy, strife, division. He said, you're supposed to be laborers together. God's bringing a ministry forward that's going to labor together. God's bringing out apostles they are going to speak like Paul and Peter and James and John. God's bringing out prophets that's going to speak like Moses and Elijah. The prophets are the eyes of the church. If you ain't got the prophet's ministry to tell the church what's ahead of it, where she needs to go, and you ain't got the apostles to set doctrine and teach people how to live clean and holy, then you just got pastors to do whatever they want to do. The reason the ministry can't work is he's trying to work on pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And it won't work. It will not work. It's like baking a cake and leaving out half the ingredients. Now we can't go anywhere until God puts everything in place. Until God puts the full leadership, government, puts his structure, his order, Back in place, church won't go anywhere. It can't. I don't care what your car costs. You got a nice motorcycle sitting out there. You have one fun time going down the road on one wheel. And I know Sister Barbie wouldn't get on the back of it if you just turned around on one wheel. They'll see everything's got to be complete. I've told people for years it takes the body ministry. You can have the best car in the world. You can have a... a they're, they're making a, a... I think a Ford Mustang now. I've seen the other day on the news. And I think they're making a Dawson. 700 and something horsepower. I said, that's crazy. I said, they got cars four and 500 horsepower that they use on racetracks. And they got more power than they need. Now they're making something put on the street. 700 something horsepower. going to cost $100,000. I said, but it don't make no difference. They can have that motor that's got 700-something horsepower and take one gear out of transmission. 
It ain't going nowhere. Everything's got to be in place. Everything's got to be in place. God's got to put His government in place. There's got to be apostles. There's got to be prophets. There's got to be evangelists, pastors, and teachers. There's got to be. There's got to be helps in governments, diversity in tongues. Well, God listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 28. And God has set some in the church. First apostles, secondary prophets, thirdly teachers that have miracles, gifts, and healing, helps governments, and diversities of tongues. All these have to be placed in the church. You read 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it tells you what's got to be in place. The gifts, the diversities of operations, the differences of administration, all that's got to be in place in the church if we're going to be the New Testament church and we're going forward. It's all got to be put in place. And how he talking to people out there. He's talking to us, Brother Brian. He's talking to us. He's telling us to get ready. I'm going to pour out something y'all ain't never had. Get ready. Get ready. I'm going to take you where no other generations ever walked. Get ready. Prepare the way of the Lord. Get ready. I'm coming. And I think it was in July 2011. I hadn't had time to go back and check my notes, but wasn't it in 2011 that I done Janet's and Janice vow renewal? I think it was 2011 in July. But anyway, I had a couple of churches in Fort Payne, and I just done the 25th year vow renewal. And I was driving down a country road, and I heard the shofars blow. And I saw King David go get the Ark of the Covenant to bring it to Zion because it had been sat in a place where the Philistines had, you know, they captured it in the day when Eli died. They kept it about six months and God smote them so hard they sent it back and one family of Israel got it and it stayed right there for years and years and years. But anyway, I heard that so far blow and I seen David try to bring the ark back. The voice of the Lord said, My spirit's coming home. About three weeks later, I was down in the church, front row. I was by myself. I was praying. I was in prayer. And I was on the very front bench. I was down in prayer. Front door of the church was that way. And I heard that so far blow again. Right there, and I raised my head and I looked for a priest. Carried the ark of the covenant down the aisle. And the Lord said, My spirit's coming home. Then I realized this is home to the Spirit of God. This is home. I'm telling you how the Spirit of God is coming home. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. We are the temple that God wants to dwell in in the fullness. Isaiah 66, He said, Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Where's the building that you're going to build for me? Or where is the place of my rest? Here's where He rests. Here's where He rested in man in the seventh day after creation. It said that God rested. He rested right here. He wasn't tired. He wasn't weary. Isaiah 40 will tell you the Spirit of God does not get tired. He does not get weary. But this is His rest. This is when He moved into man in the fullness of His Spirit. And He gave Him authority over all His creation. Gave Him authority over it. Did He give Him authority over spiritual beings then? 
Didn't give him authority over everything he had created. He just gave him, he said, let's give him authority over everything creepeth on the earth. Over the fowl, over the fish. He gave him power over the earth. He didn't give him authority over spiritual beings. He didn't give him authority over the heavens. He just gave him authority. Amen. Y'all follow me? I said, y'all follow me? Yeah, that's supposed to be new. I've never seen this till the other day. Because God created man and said, let's make him in our image and in our likeness. I thought he gave him everything. But the Lord specified what he gave him power over. He said, just the fish in the sea, the fowl of the air, over everything creeping on the earth. Am I right? Yeah. So that's what God's fixing to give us. God fixing to take us in the ministry of the Son of Man. Jesus had power and authority over all God's creation. But then God gave him power over demons on this earth to cast them out. But to his resurrection, he did not have power over principalities and powers in the heavens, in the earth, and under the earth. He didn't have power over it all. I hope y'all followed me. He did not. I can take to you Ephesians 1 and 20. All this is in the notes. I can take you Ephesians 1 and 20. So he brought in Christ and he raised me from the dead. He set him far above all principalities, all powers. In this world and the world is to come. I think it was the 13th of June, 2015. I was in the office praying at our home. It was about 5.30 in the morning. And the Lord took me out and I stood on the edge of the universe and I saw all the planets. I saw our whole solar system. And their orbits were erratic. Everything was slow. It was sluggish. Everything was out of time. And then I seen an, uh, an explosion blinded me for about two or three minutes. When I started getting my vision back, I was still standing on the edge of the universe but everything was back in time. Everything was rotating and flowing. Everything was moving like it was supposed to. And the voice of the Lord said, What I brought in Christ, when I raised him from the dead, he said, When man sinned, he said it throwed everything out of time. Out of synchronization. He said, Throw everything out of my will. He said, But when I raised Christ from the dead, he said, I put everything back in time. He said, this wasn't just a resurrection. It was a reconciliation to bring man back into my will. You hear what I'm saying? God has set this thing in order one notch at a time. And He's waiting for us to get ourselves ready to be a vessel He can live in in the fullness. But we've got to put some effort into it. We've got to put some time into it. We've got to put some labor into it. We've got to be willing to let the Spirit of God change us. Well, Brother Bennett, the, the Word of God says we're the creatures in Christ Jesus. Old, old things old have passed away. Well, I'm going to ask you a question. I believe that, but I believe it's something to come. I know something happened to all of us when we got saved, but everything old ain't passed away from you. You still deal with your old faults and feelings and heartaches and sorrows and failures. You still deal with them. Has God made some things new for you? Yes. He changed you? Yes. But there's still changes to come. There's still things God to be done away with. 
There's still battles you fight. Then it's going to take the Spirit of God to give you total victory over it. So all things old have not yet passed away. Because when you take that Scripture in 2 Corinthians 5, I believe it is, 17 is where it says that. You can't just take that one Scripture out of context. You've got to read the rest of it down through verse 21 which talks about reconciliation. When you are reconciled back to God, when you are put back in divine favor in relationship with God, that's when all things old will begin to pass away. And all things will begin to come new. Why? That's where it says he that knew no sin became sin. That we might become the righteousness of God in him. Man, I didn't know I was going to go down this road. But it's good. Is it not good? Okay, there's two scriptures. I haven't got to the second one yet. But I've read. Then I read Joel 2. But I think I only got to verse 23. Let me do verse 24. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with wine and oil. Verse 25. Now pay attention to this first part. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you. Ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that had dealt wondrously with you and my people shall never be ashamed. All right, I'm going to stop right there and I'm going to go to Acts 3. And I'm going to verse 19. And I wish his church is full. Say, why, Brother Miller? I want people to learn. I want them to come forward to God. But the good thing about it is, God's giving us a chance. And it all depends on what we do with it, I can tell you. Y'all with me in Acts 3 and verse 19? Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times are refreshing. That word times there means years. When the years of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and he shall send Jesus Christ, which was preached, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the times or the years of the restitution of all things. That word restitution means restoration of all things. So the heavens gonna hold Jesus. Y'all follow me? They're going to hold Him until we come into the years of the restoring of all things, which is what we're coming into. This is what we're coming into. Now, I'm not trying to be hard to be understood, but the Lord woke me up this morning about 3.30, somewhere there. And these two Scriptures have been in my mind for four or five days. And the Lord woke me up this morning... And he said, there is a difference between what Joel prophesied and what Peter spoke. He said, there's a difference. If I stop right here and I ask you what Peter said, and what Joel said, if I ask you, 
I said, Joel said, and I will restore to you the years. Y'all with me? Now you can study later. Pay attention to what I'm going to tell you. Get off track with me because you'll miss something. If Joel said, I will restore to you the years, what does that mean to you? What is, what is that restoring right there? What does that mean to you? What do you take from this scripture? Have you ever thought about it? Have you considered it? Do you have a concept of what that scripture is talking about? Right. Restoring the years that the caterpillar, the locust, the caterpillar, I may not get them in order. All those, some's been taken away from you. Amen. Because if you if you read Joel, he spoke this in the first chapter of Joel, the fourth verse. He started the book of Joel out with this. He started out with the word of the Lord to God's people. And spoke about the tank of the caterpillar and the fog war and all this. He said, But he said, This vision's not for you. He said, Let your children tell their children, their children, and on, and let them tell another generation. So, Joel's vision is for us. It's for us. So, somebody tell me. Give me, a, give me another voice on what's been eaten up, what's been taken away, and what this means to you. If you read this, what does it mean? Have you ever thought about it? Do we have any kind of concept of what God's talking about? He said, I'm not... I, I feel like because he's only got just a measure, you know, right. of the gift. Like, okay. Because it's almost like the bondage you're talking about with religion. Right. We all are holding on to something in our lives. Okay. All of us are under some sort of a bondage okay. that we, whether it just be, you know, the way you talk to somebody or maybe you're watching something or looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, just our, the thoughts in our mind, we're not, some kind of bondage is in each one of us. And the way my Bible says it in uh, Acts 3.19, it says, amend your lives therefore and turn that your sins may be put away whom the time of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So I feel like it's a time that God's saying, Okay, enough of just having a measure. I want you to, you know, it's time for deliverance. Okay. All right, now go to Joel with me. Because okay. I'm going to deal with Peter in a few minutes. It's completely different. That's what I'm trying to do is establish the difference. Look at Joel 2, 25. He says, and I will restore to you the years. Right. So there's something that God is wanting to restore. And what I want you to do is give me your concept. It's not it's not a trick question. We're not going to dunk in the water tank. <laughs> but we're not in the fullness. He wants to restore. He wants to give us the fullness. I mean, it's like you were talking about sin and how the more we get Christ in us. Okay, but restore means to give back. Right. So, God's people had to have walked in something somewhere. Oh, they got Huh? Well, what about in the garden? Okay. All right. Go back to the garden. Restore all that. 
Now, that's going to go to Peter. This that Joel is talking about. Now, y'all follow with me. This is what the Lord told me. He said these cankerworm, caterpillar, palmworm. I think I'm still in the box. I'm still in, well, I'm still inside the tank. Anyway, whatever. I'm sorry. Okay. Y'all follow with me. The Lord told me because see, He had prophesied that the day of Pentecost had already come in 23. And then He comes on down and He says here, and I'm going to restore to you the years. So what the Lord told me is this canker worm, caterpillar, palmer worm, all this, He said, it's the doctrines and traditions of men that have been preached in zeal but in error since the day of Pentecost to strip God's people from the power and the authority that was given when they founded the church. Over the years and the decades, the church has been totally stripped. Would y'all agree with me? Till there's no power, there's no authority in the church. People talk a good talk, but they don't walk a good walk. Y'all follow with me? I can stand up here and tell you all day about a God of healing, a God of miracles, a God of deliverance. I can sing about Him. I can shout about Him. I can tell you God ain't changed. But there is no manifestation of the power and the authority of God revealed in my life. It's just words. It's just words. Paul said you're going to come to a day that there's going to be a people that have a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. There's your religion. He said from such turn away. And he wasn't talking about sinners out there. He was talking about his people. You go read that and it talks about people being traitors heady high mind and lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And God ain't talking about sinners. He's talking about what's going on with His people. And He said, if they have a form of godliness and they deny the power thereof, He said, you better turn away from them because they're bound in religion. They're bound in religion. He said, Brother Better, you can't prove that too late. It just did. Religion will destroy you. Religion will destroy you. What did Paul say? He said, when I came to y'all, he said, my preaching was not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I was with you in fear and weakness and in much trembling. He said, but I came to you in the demonstration. Demonstration means a showing. It means a revealing. I came to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power. I have come to y'all in the demonstration of the Spirit and the power of God. That I can go back to the mid-80s. Early 80s. And I can have testimony after testimony after testimony of miracles that's happened in people's lives. That has bore the signs of an apostle. That has borne the signs that I've come to you in demonstration 
of spirit and power. Not just miracles of physical healing. Speaking the Word of God to the weather. In 2001, I went into a vision in the spring and God told me there's peace in the act of God because we'll shake our nation from the mayor's house to the White House. I was on TV in Somerville, Georgia. <coughs> Later on that summer, I was standing on our platform in Fort Payne, Alabama. At that time, we had a rail. Our platform was from one side of the church to the other. We had a rail. It was up on this side, a step up. And then we had a rail to the center of it, the podium. And then there was another opening and all the way over the other side there was a step up. And standing right there on the platform on that side, I heard the voice of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt said, this day shall live in infamy. And God said, there's supposed to be an attack on this nation just like Pearl Harbor. He said, there's going to be a sneak attack from kill thousands. He said, just like Pearl Harbor. On a Sunday, on the ninth day of September, I sat on the steps in front of the podium and I screamed at the top of my voice and wept. I said, America, you sins, fix and find you out. Two days later, 9 11 hit. And when the 9 11 hit, I was in Mississippi preaching. She called me and woke me up. She said, Have you seen the news? I said, No. Because I prayed a good part of the night. And she said, Better turn the TV on. And just as I turned the TV on, that second plane hit that second tower. And I said, Oh my God. And you know what Newt Gingrich said? This day shall live in infamy. Same thing I heard President Roosevelt say in the 40s. This day shall live in infamy. What happened? A sneak attack on America that killed it in the thousands. Said so God speaks these things, and God told me He hid the thing, He hid this thing from our government's eyes, put them in confusion, so they couldn't stop it. He said, "This was my hand to get America's attention, and therefore a little bit of America come together. Don't make God have to do it again. Don't make God have to do it because God will do it again. God don't care. You hear me? God don't care." You go back and read some of them Bibles in the Old Testament, man, there was 20, 30, 40, and 50,000 sometimes killed one day in a Bible. Go back and read the Bible. I started reading the genealogy of Israel. There was uh, Moses' number that could go to war. They had, they had over a million man army in the tribes of Israel. And they'd go out there and fight, man, they'd want to kill them 30, 40, 50. 60,000 in one day, one battle. Sometimes they go out there three or four days and kill 20, 30,000. You'd have 100,000 people there on the battlefield dead. See, God don't care. When God deals with sin, He's going to deal with sin. When the sons of Korah stood up against Moses, the time the sun went down that day, 1,500 people had died. 1,500 people had died. And then the children of Israel, the next day come Moses there and start griping because they killed God's people. <laughs> and God smote them again. Y'all listening to me? God is angry about sin in this nation. But God's more angry about sin among His people than He is about sin in this nation. 
Sinners don't know any better a lot of times because people know better. And their churches are full of adultery. They're full of fornication. They're full of homosexuality. They're full of evil. And I've said many times, if God ever roars out of His place, it's going to be bad. Because He said, I will not return until I've taken my vengeance. And we're moving into the day of the Lord. That's a period of time God's going to judge sin. You all hear me? We're living in fearful times, but we're also living in great times. Because there's a great visitation for God's people. Amen. There's a great visitation for God's people. It's that false doctrine that keeps telling these people that they were saved at five years old or whatever, and they yeah. keep on sinning. And they're not reading this, so they need to amend their lives. They're not, they're not reading it. But the Lord said in the last days, there'll be doctrines of devils, deceiving spirits, people under deception. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of people that one time knew God was real, may have one time tasted of His Spirit, but they come under the spirit of religion. Let me tell you something. You don't stand up and talk about a God that's real, a God that works miracles, and a God that works deliverance, and you have no fruit of the Spirit in your life. You have no manifestation of the power of God in your life. God said, you better turn away from them people. They deceive their own selves. They deceive their own selves. Are y'all hearing me? People have deceived their own selves thinking they're walking with God and nothing's happening. Just because you shout, just because you have what we call good church, don't mean God is manifesting Himself in reality among you. Emotion is not the anointing. And drama is not deliverance. And the church has emotion. They have drama going on today. See, God said, I want my people to seek for restoration. I want my people to understand what I want to do in them, where I want to take them, where I want to bring them to. And it's not far off. It's not far off. Y'all hear me? It's not. If you can't come to Fort Payne, you need to be in prayer with us every night. See, we, we can't travel up to LJ and pray with y'all every night. And we can't pray at 6.30 because we got grandkids the next two or three weeks. But by 9, 9.30 every night, me and my wife are going to prayer. So every night, whenever you, you set yourself aside a, a time of prayer and go to prayer and get in prayer, and start praying for unity. Start praying for wisdom. Start praying for understanding. We've got to have unity. We've got to have unity in the body. God's got to bring some ministers together. And if God can't bring us together, He can sure raise up a brand new people. He can raise up a brand new people. Y'all hear me? Paul said in Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the eleventh verse, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting for the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry. The ministry can't work if all five offices ain't in place. For the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You follow me in the Word. I'm getting it almost word for word. For the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. One faith. 
Do y'all know what the faith is you should be believing? Do you know what the unity of the faith is you should be fighting for? What you should be pressing for? Hope your Bible, Ephesians 4 chapter, I'm going to show you. All this is in your notes. And I hope y'all study them. So I'm going to tell you something. What God done last week, what God's doing this week, God's trying to prepare us for what He wants to do. Y'all with me in Ephesians 4? When you get there, say it again. Everybody there? Verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. One faith. Name one. And of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or a mature or complete man in Christ. That's a perfect man. Unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. That is the faith that was taught in the beginning, in the early church, that people should strive to be like Christ. That's the reason they were first called Christians in Antioch, because the word Christian means to be Christ-like. The church was taught to be like Christ, to put on the mind of Christ, to put on the nature. Amen? Church didn't teach all this stuff church is teaching today. And everybody was in a unity of the faith. There was in a unity of the Spirit. They had the same mind. They had the same judgment. They taught the same things. So this is what God's people need to be striving for. The unity of the faith. To come to the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the statue. You look that word statue up, it means to the same maturity of years that Jesus came to. <laughs> to the measure. A measure is a portion. To the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. And he said, when we get there, then we won't be no more children. Tossed to and fro with every room of doctrine. Am I making sense to you today? Well, we gotta, we got to get a focus. we got to get a focus. Because I'm going to tell you something. Life has problems. It has upsetnesses. It has troubles. It has heartaches. It is the devil's business to distract you and get you focused on everything else except what God wants to work in you. Especially if you're called of God. Especially if you're ordained to come forth in this kingdom. And I'm going to tell you, the devil's still in faith. God's people set the kitchen sink. I think in some places, some instances, he set the kitchen sink at us. And we've been given everything to distract us, get us off track, get us pulled back, get us bogged down. And it's our job, if you will put it that way, to stay focused on possessing this kingdom. Because if we don't center and get focused and come into a unity, I'm telling you, we ain't going to get this. I can't do this by myself. God didn't mean for me to do this by myself. Am I going to get 
the measure I'm fighting for, I hope so, but see, it ain't the measure I'm fighting for. I'm trying to lead the body. I'm trying to lead the body. We may be many members that do this in the body, but by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. We're all supposed to believe the same thing, fight for the same thing, have the same mind, the same judgment. They, none of us can do anything without Christ being revealed in us. You don't have any gift or knowledge or power of yourself that you can possess this without Him. Amen? Amen. So, He's talking to us and been talking to us for several years now. But He don't need to keep talking to us. He needs to see some actions. He needs to see some actions. He needs to see us growing up and laying beside every weight and sin that does these people set us. See, Jesus started this thing. The Bible said He is the author. Well, if He's the author, He's also got to finish this thing. He's the author and the finisher of the faith. Is He not? So what He started, He's got to finish Y'all follow what I'm saying? He started being made like us. But that ain't where he finished. He finished taking on the fullness of God. He finished by sending all power in heaven and earth. It's now here. Amen. It's now here. So, if we started in this faith and we're going to finish with him, we're going to finish where he is. And I ain't talking about when you get to heaven. I'm talking about right here on this earth. He is the author and the finisher. Is that what the Word says? He is the author and the finisher of the faith. Well, the unity of the faith, the same faith Jesus is the author and finisher of, the unity of the faith is coming to the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So, he started this thing. He's led us into the beginning of it. Now, are we going to finish? Are we going to finish? If we don't, it ain't God's fault. How many of y'all know that? It ain't God's fault if we don't finish. It's our fault. Amen. I believe I'll give y'all enough work to keep y'all busy for a little bit. <laughs> There's nothing in their notes you can study for a long time. But let's pray for one another. Pray for unity. Pray that we have a clean heart and a right spirit and that we fight one for another. Amen. You know, y'all look around, you see how many people's here. We need to fight for one another. We don't need we don't need to lose another soul here or in Fort Payne either one. Because God He's wanting to bring us into the fullness of this faith. And I don't know about you, but there's something just exciting to me. To know that I've been chosen to be a vessel that Christ wants to live in. I've been chosen for that purpose. 
to me that's exciting that's exciting to me the next time you start going through a battle you start feeling sorry for yourself because I know we all do it sometimes I do it draw not too very much but every now and then no flesh will pop up I've told God from time to time I ain't doing it. I've learned I better not say that to the Lord because He'll tell you hide. And He'll come back and say, God, whatever it takes. <laughs> I'll do it, Lord, whatever it takes. Just my God, get me out of this fire. Amen. But all the Lord's looking for is obedience. Submission and obedience. Amen. Submission to His Word, obedience to His will. So we're looking for some vessels. So, let's seek Him this week. Let's study these notes. Let's ask Him to bring us together. We need one another. Y'all realize we need one another? We need one another. It's like Paul said. He said, A great and effectual door is open unto me, but I face many adversaries. There's a great and effectual door that's been open, but this word faces much opposition and many adversaries. One thing people don't understand it. Another thing, they don't want to submit to the working of the Spirit of God. You really get in the kind of prayer that I get into and that I'm teaching, it's labor. It's work. You don't believe it? I can get out and go to prayer, the spirit of prayer. I'm not talking about what I call spirit of prayer. Get on me in an air conditioned building and I'm stay on my knees in one spot for an hour, hour and a half, two hours. I get up, I'm soaked with perspiration. Soaked. <laughs> Because of the warfare and the labor that is put into prayer. You really get into a spirit of prayer like the Lord's brought me into and taught me for an hour and a half, two hours, it will whip you. Physically down to nothing. It'll take a while you work right on the hard days physical labor. It's not because you're fighting in the spiritual Yes, ma'am. Like Michael. Yes, ma'am. See, what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, he said the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. People have no idea. People have no idea. Somewhere I'm going to, the Lord dealt with me about that. I'm going to teach on it. Because I'm going to tell you something. The weapons of your warfare ain't just the armor of God. It's not just the armor of God. Somebody will take us into this. I'm hoping we finally got our YouTube studio set up. I started doing some teaching. We have sure labored on it long enough. I've done the radio broadcast the other morning and we recorded testing out the YouTube studio. One said had a picture and didn't have no volume. The other said had nothing. Thanks a lot. It just seems like it's a fight at William Turner. But we're going to win. Yeah. I remember when it was in Fort Payne I started on radio. It was on three or four different radio stations. I've done radio work for years. We started broadcasting from the church. And that's back when we were still doing cassettes when we first got started, doing the CDs. 
we do everything just right and record a service, would be nothing on the cassette, would be nothing on the CD. I mean, drive me crazy. Just defy logic. I said, devil, somewhere you're going to lose. You just got to be persistent. You just got to be persistent. Amen. How many of y'all appreciate this one? Hallelujah. Y'all feel like y'all starting to take us somewhere? Amen. We're going to pray just a minute. We're going to ask God to put this in us. Sheriff and God, whether y'all realize it or not, I can feel when you're fighting with me. I can feel when you're pulling with me. I can feel when you're putting your efforts and energy into bringing this church forward. And I need every one of you. Physically and spiritually, I need every one of you. Financially and mentally, I need every one of you. I believe I've proven myself diligent. I believe I've been faithful in coming up here week after week, time after time, preaching to two and threes, sometimes 15 or 20. I believe I'm stuck with what God's told us to do. And I believe God's beginning to reward us and bring hearts together. So fight with me in prayer. Would you fight with me? Whatever you can do financially in honoring God, we need you help. We need you help. Because if God speaks to me to go to Kenya, I don't want to have to do a fundraiser. Shouldn't have to do a fundraiser. Amen. I guarantee you one thing, these preachers need big churches. They decide they want more seats. They don't have to do a fundraiser. They got several hundred thousand dollars in a bank account. They just set it up. They got the money. That's where I want to be with God. I want the money to do what I want to do for the kingdom of God. Is that all right? I think we ought to have it. Amen. I think we ought to have it. If the Lord leads me to Kenya and I want to build a church in Kenya and I feel like somebody to God, I think the finances ought to be there. I'm going to tell you, there's people I've come in contact doing this stuff. They, they come to the United States. They've got orphanages running five, six hundred people. You know, kids helping them, which I have no problem with that. They can come over here, raise forty, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand dollars, go back and feed them kids. I mean that's good. But we ought to be able to do it, take this order of the kingdom and deliverance. Amen. I don't begrudge them trying to help them kids. I, I pray God help them help them kids. But I want to help people with the kingdom of God with the living word. Because I feel like if I get them to believe the gospel, except Jesus is their Savior, then He will have to feed them. He will have to take care of them. Because He said He would. Amen. He said He would. You appreciate this word? Amen. I believe you're going to get a lot out of these notes when you start studying. But do you best come together in prayer? Do you best to seek God for this church? Because I know what God said He'd do if we pray. I know what God will do right here. And the Lord showed me in 2014 was me and Sister Kathy's house where we ever got this building. The Lord gave me the size of a building and I see big old concrete pillars. I mean huge concrete pillars. It placed down in the ground. Three and four and five feet. It's huge. And I seen an 80 by 110 building go up here. This LJ called the K area. That's where the Lord spoke to me. I believe 
God's going to do it. Because I believe we're entering into a move like the book of Acts. Let me tell you something. We preach and get 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 saved in one day. Get people laboring together like that. There ain't going to be no problem building a building. We've got to have government first. God trying to get y'all ready for government. Y'all want something to do for God? Get ready. I told my wife the other day, I said, this thing hits like I feel like it's going to hit, like God's been revealing to us. Life as we know it's going to cease to exist. We better enjoy the time we got right now. There ain't going to be no time to do anything. You know, there will, there'll come a day you'll be hiding to get rest. You will hide from the people to get rest. You'll be so worn out, so physically pushed in your body. Sometimes Jesus had to. He had to come aside in a desert place to rest. Pull his disciples aside to rest because they must foul since every day. Ain't that going to be great? See, 3,000 added to the church, 5,000 added to the church. See, God sending this thing all over the world. I'm excited. Said, Brother Matter. Get ready. Get ready. God ain't called y'all to live the life you're living. He's chosen you. And He said, I'll call people out of the people. God's calling the people out of the peace. Yes. Put forth into schools. Praise the Lord. If I don't pray, I'm going to keep talking about this all day. Don't you love the Lord? Yeah. I've enjoyed this word. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Hear it as much as I've enjoyed preaching it. Father, in the name of Jesus, put this in our spirits. Put it in our heart. God, let it do more than just go in our ears. Let it do more, Lord. God, let it take hold of us. Let us eat it. Let it become part of us. God, let us get a focus and a drive and a determination to possess this kingdom and be part of this restoration. God, I want to be a part of what you're doing. I want to find my place. God, give me the ability and the wisdom to lead this people into what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.